Hello friends, and welcome to Anything Goes. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and to those of you new, welcome to the show, welcome to the Anything Goes family. Let's jump into today's episode, shall we? mess it was. Power was out, water lines were breaking, people were freezing, couldn't get food delivered, uh, and everyone was blaming the fin- or pointing the finger and blaming someone else. Of course, I'm talking about what has come to be known as the ERCOT problem. Uh, for many of you, you may not know what that is, unless you live around uh, the state of Texas, or if you are someone living in the U.S. and maybe you heard about it in the news. It could have been in national news or international, I'm not sure. ERCOT stands for the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which is an independent organization that operates the Texas power grid. Now, independent, but not really. They're uh, managed or overlooked by the uh, Texas legislature. Now, I'm bringing that up because this is something that I encountered or I had to go through and many others did as well. Uh, Texas, uh, unlike the rest of the U.S., has its own power grid, uh, an independent power grid. And while that sounds cool, it's not so great when it's not managed, managed properly. And without the regulation, since it's all deregulated, anyone can be a power provider, basically, and prices can get crazy as uh, there has been lawsuits against, I think, one of them, the companies named Gritty, G-R-I-D-D-Y, because they were heavily charging people during the power outages that happened. People getting bills that would normally, you know, be, you know, a couple hundred bucks maybe, they were getting bills for thousands of dollars, which is insane for a private home. Um, and so this whole situation really brought to light how much uh, the Texas legislature and ERCOT had dropped the ball on maintaining the power grid that people needed. And it all started with um, a very unprecedented cold break, cold storm, ice storm, snowstorm, whatever you want to call it, that came through Texas. And by unprecedented, I mean, we I don't think we had anything this cold since uh, maybe the coldest we got before that was like this was back in the 1950s, I believe. May have been later than that. 2011 was one that was a little bit cold, but not as cold. And that was what, what was referred to in Texas as snowmageddon. Um, but at any rate, I wanted to talk about this because I thought it was a very interesting thing that I found as I was digging through different articles talking about it and research done, um, there was a lot of information that came up. And so the first one I'm looking at is actually an article uh, titled, Power Experts Cite Gas Constraints as the Main Cause of ERCOT Outages, But System Planning Questions Remain. Uh, This was, uh, the author of this was Catherine Morehouse. And this was published in February of 18th of this year, 2021. 
So in this, uh, she lists out that as the rolling outages continued to plague Texas, uh, power sector experts found themselves fighting against misinformation about the root of the problem. Uh, the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, who is a Republican, and uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw, also a Republican, were quick to blame renewable energy, particularly wind, for causing the supply constraints that the region had been facing since the Sunday, that Sunday evening. Uh, this is a quote uh, that was said by Abbott, which is, This shows how the Green New Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Uh, and this was in an interview he said to uh, people on Fox News. He continued to say, Texas is blessed with multiple sources of energy, such as natural gas and oil and nuclear, as well as solar and wind. But our wind and our solar that got shut down thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power on a statewide basis. But the interesting thing with what he said is that data from the state's grid operator actually made it clear that the majority of the outages were caused by gas supply constraints corresponding to a major spike in demand. Uh, though no power resource performed perfectly, power sector experts dismissed the idea that renewable alone were to blame for the outages. Uh, many questions remain, however, on whether grid operators in Texas were even prepared, uh, how generators could have better planned, uh, when they say generators, I mean people that are generating the energy, uh, how generators could have better planned for such extreme weather, and how they might in the future, and whether future rolling blackouts can be minimized. Uh, so to pause for a moment, when they're talking about rolling blackouts, I was going through it along with my wife and many others, um, most of Texas was. What we were encountering, and some people had it worse, uh, was that our power might come on for an hour, and it would be off for six hours, sometimes as much as ten hours at a time. And so it made it very difficult to be warm. The house would cool off, and you couldn't heat up anything to have warm food or drink. And it made for a scramble because when the power came on, we had lights on, we were plugging stuff in to make sure we had backup battery to keep our phones charged in the event of emergency, to find out what's going on with power issues, uh, to connect with people if we need to, and to try and heat up water for hot drink, coffee, heat up food before the power went out again. And so this was this went on for a few days and Unfortunately, there were people who lost their lives because of this, um, this whole debacle. People died due to cold exposure, even within their own homes. Obviously, the most susceptible being those who are older and those who are much younger, meaning, you know, like infant. Uh, and so the outages went on like this for a few days, and most of a week, I would say, Across the state, it really went on longer than that. Some places it took longer, but I know in our area, by the end of the week, we had finally gotten to where we had power stabilized again. Uh, in my neighborhoods, uh, in the neighborhoods around us, the, the firewood was on such shortage at grocery stores that people were taking to 
going out around the neighborhood and looking for any fallen tree branches, cutting them up into pieces and putting them in their fireplace so that they could keep warm, keep their family warm. That's how dire it got. People were just trying to find anything they could to keep warmth. So back to what was being said in the article, uh, many questions remain, however, on whether grid operators in Texas were prepared, um, how generators could have better planned for the extreme weather and the blackouts, how they could minimize those. Uh, the fact that this was not wind's fault is an argument that the wind system, as we currently have it, would have done better if it were a bigger part of the grid. And this was what Emily Grubert, who is an assistant professor of civil and environmental engineering at Georgia Tech, had to say. She went on further to say, it's an argument that we need to uh, be more prepared for emergencies. It's an argument that we need to think about how we're designing a grid that is probably going to be subjected to more extremes uh, than it has in the past for climate change reasons in particular. It's not really a fuel thing, it's a grid design thing. And that's what she had to say about it. And, and we can certainly talk about that. I, I know from what I've read and seen, uh, it seems that ERCOT was aware that they needed to winterize their equipment. Uh, and it seems as though from what I've seen that perhaps the issue was more one of cost-benefit analysis than it was about uh, anything else. I think they understood that there could be those chances, but I think they were betting on it being so infrequent, maybe once every decade. And so they thought, well, if it's once a decade, it's actually cheaper to just deal with the issue when it comes up and do the rolling blackouts. Um, I don't think that was the best decision, but it was the decision I think that was made. And so Interestingly enough, you know, here you have professors who work in this going, yeah, that, that's not the issue. It was not designed properly. So at any rate, we'll continue with this after the break. Hey, friends, just a quick moment to let you know, this show very much could use your support. So if you like this show and you enjoy listening in, then please consider going to anchor.fm forward slash Joseph hyphen Guzman hyphen MA. There, you can click on the support button and that will let you become a monthly supporter to the podcast, ranging from anywhere to 99 cents a month or $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. Obviously, if you would like to become a larger monthly supporter, or if you'd like to do a one-time gift to the show, you can click that other button that says message and let me know. And as always, friends, I love hearing your hellos, so please continue to send those as well. Thank you for all of you that have supported us so far and that continue to support us now. Let's get back to the show. We're back, friends. So before that, we were talking about how uh, professionals, experts, people who work in this were discussing what was really going on, what um, the governor and other politicians were saying about it in Texas. 
But now let's let's take a look at what actually caused the outages. The uh, Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, triggered rolling blackouts uh, that Sunday evening uh, after a simultaneous spike in demand and drop in supply shocked its system. An uneven supply and demand balance bolstered by fuel delivery and power plant operational problems uh, has continued to prevent or continued to prevent the grid operators from returning to full power uh, so that they could do that for their customers in that week. Um, ERCOT issued a news release that was warning that it may face record electricity usage due to an incoming winter snowstorm because of a polar vortex and urged generators to review fuel supplies and planned outages in preparation for the weather. So what that says is they weren't winterized, they knew it was coming and they just were going to go with rolling blackouts to do it, to handle it. Um, ERCOT was urging ratepayers to reduce power usage due to record demand and higher than normal generation outages due to frozen wind turbines and limited gas supplies. The win that Wednesday of that week, uh, Dan Woodfin, the ERCOT Senior Director of System Operations, clarified that significantly more megawatts of thermal generation was offline than renewables. At 28,000 megawatts versus roughly a third of the 18,000 megawatts of wind capacity that was expected. Though ERCOT has not broken down thermal generation by source, the majority of its winter peaking capacity relies on gas, and most of the thermal issues were tied to frozen gas wells and pipelines, plus one nuclear reactor outage on Monday. Uh, and that was according uh, or that was accounting for around 1,300 megawatts of the thermal outages. So problematic, obviously, quite problematic. And it didn't make it any better that they were aware and just chose to pay, take a poor path in resolving it, which was to do blackouts, which, as we said before, cost a lot of people in many ways. Uh, many people had ruptured water lines, and also people lost their lives due to it. And so going from that, I wanted to look at a different article that was talking about the failures uh, within Texas leadership in regard to that. And this was an article that I was looking at that was written by Aaron Douglas, Kate McGee, uh, jo Jolly or Jolie McCullough, and that was on February 17th of this year, 2021, which with an update on February 19th of 2021. Uh, and in this article, um, they're kind of, like I said, looking at the Texas leaders and what went on there. So Texas officials knew the winter storm could leave the state's power grid uh, vulnerable, but they left the choice to prepare for harsh weather up to the power companies, and many of which these companies had opted against the costly upgrades. Uh, that plus a deregulated energy market, largely isolated from the rest of the country's power grid, left the state alone to deal with its crisis. Um, and that's a problem. Uh, millions of Texans had gone without power or heat in sub-freezing temperatures brought on by snow and ice storms. And the limited regulations on companies that generate the power and a history of isolating Texas from federal oversight 
uh, helps explain why the crisis the energy and policy experts um, talked about helps explain why it happened. Uh, and this was what the energy and policy experts were telling the Texas Tribute, with Tribune, which is a news publication in Texas. While Texas Republicans were quick to pounce on renewable energy and to blame frozen wind turbines, the natural gas, nuclear, and power plant and coal plants that provide most of the state's energy also struggled to operate during the storm. And not to mention, during the midst of this, you also had one of uh, the more known Texas uh, senators, uh, Ted Cruz, was also... Uh, people found or took pictures of him at an airport as he was taking his and his family to Cancun to escape the uh, blackouts and the cold in Texas. It's good public servant there, is it not? <laughs> at any rate, um, back to what was being said. Officials with the uh, Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, the energy grid operator for most of the state, said that the state's power system was simply no match for the deep freeze. Uh, to quote Dan Woodfin, who again is the senior director at ERCOT, he said, nuclear units, gas units, wind turbines, even solar in different ways, uh, the very cold weather and snow has impacted every type of generator. Energy and policy experts said that Texas's decision not to require equipment upgrades to better withstand ex extreme winter win uh, temperatures and choice to operate mostly isolated from other grids in the U.S. left the power system unprepared for the winter crisis. And obviously, as one who went through it, I can say, yes, that's true. Uh, our, we have memories and experiences and bills in our house to prove it. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see, policy ex observers blamed the power system failure on the legislators and state agencies who they say did not properly heed the warnings of previous storms or account for more extreme weather market, uh, events warmed of by climate scientists. Instead, Texas prioritized the free market. Surprise, surprise. Anyone living in Texas can understand. That's what happens. Texas is more focused on business and money than it's typically focused on its social programs and kind of social good, uh, at least as it stands currently. Uh, that tends to be very heavily aligned, in my experience, with uh, Republican views. Most of the time with Republican views, there's not as much consideration of social good, social programs. It's more about business, big business, and um, money, economy. Uh, so this all being said, it, it should be of no surprise that we see uh, these days, politicians wanting to point the finger away from themselves and ERCOT pointing the finger elsewhere away from themselves and power generators pointing the finger elsewhere as well. Uh, but to every person going through it, uh, the finger was squarely pointed at all of them, as well it should be. It's not the uh, customer's fault that power generation failed. Um, if they're paying their bills, then companies are getting their money. And if companies are getting their money, then they should be able to, if they're managing their company properly, uh, be able to handle upgrading and updating equipment as necessary. And if that's not a part of the budget, then that is a poorly managed organization.
you don't have to be a scientist or, or I mean, a genius in order to figure that out. So all of this happens, all of this stuff goes on, and everyone's blaming everything and, every, and anything other than what's true. But the reality of it is, there were already lessons to be learned, but they just weren't learned. Uh, as I mentioned before, talking about the year 2011, there was something that could have been learned about there before, and it wasn't nearly as bad as it was this time. Because uh, in 2011, Texas actually faced a very similar storm that froze natural gas wells and affected coal plants and wind turbines. And that led to power outages across the state. Um, and so here we are, you know, a decade later, and Texas power generators uh, have still not made all the investment necessary to prevent plants from tripping offline during extreme cold. And it's not that they didn't know. As we've read, they already knew. They just chose to take the route of not spending money on uh, winterizing and then updating. Poor decision, for sure. <laughs> so Woodfin, again, uh, of ERCOT, acknowledged that there's no requirement to prepare power infrastructure for such extreme low temperatures. Uh, he's quoted as saying, those are not mandatory. It's a voluntary guideline to decide to do thing those things, he said. Uh, there are financial incentives to stay online, but there is no regulation at this point. Again, reading what's being said there, right? He's saying, again, it's not our fault. We're, we're doing what we were allowed to do. But I would argue, and I know this is an example that gets used all the time, but it's still true. I would argue uh, that's not a very good defense. If you were a part of the, if you were one of the soldiers that was assigned by Nazi Germany to be at one of the death camps, giving the excuse of, well, we were allowed to do this is not a good defense. It doesn't make what you did any less heinous. Um, now, granted, the situation in Texas with power energy was not the same as that event in history. That was a horrendous event. Um, but the point is, it's not a good defense when you do something bad to say, oh, but we were allowed to. It's not even a good idea to say it's legal, because legal does not necessarily equate to right. So, anyways, uh, we will pick up on this after the break. And we are back, friends. So, as I was talking about, uh, looking at the lessons from 2011, Texas knew, but there were other issues that were going on. And obviously one of them was, oh, well, we don't have to, so... You know, we're, we're doing what we're allowed to do, which is not a great excuse. <laughs> um, try telling that to people who have lost relatives that, because of the cold and took on ridiculous amounts of costs that could have been avoided. You know, uh, using the excuse of, well, we're sorry, but, you know, we were doing what we were allowed to do is not a good excuse. That's not going to fly with most people. Um Texas politicians, I think it's also important to remember that Texas politicians and regulators, they were warned after the 2011 storm that more winterizing of the power infrastructure was needed. And that was according to a report by the Federal Emergency, or I'm sorry, not Emergency, but the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, and the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. 
Um, the large number of units that tripped offline or couldn't start during the storm, uh, it demonstrated that the generators did not adequately anticipate the full impact of the extended cold weather and high winds. Uh, more thorough preparation of the cold weather really, I think, could have prevented the outages. And that's really what the report also says, is that they felt that it could have been prevented. And I, I'm inclined to agree. I think uh, they dropped the ball badly and did not want to take ownership. Uh, and I get it, heads roll and all of that stuff, right? But integrity is also of important importance. Uh, and there's also a, a quote that we have here, and this is, uh, this should have been addressed in 2011 by the legislature after that market meltdown, but there was no substantial follow-up. Um, and this is by state politicians or regulators. Uh, and this was said by Ed Herz, who is an energy fellow and economics professor at the University of Houston uh, in Texas. He goes on further to say, they skipped on down the road with business as usual. I think that's probably about as concise as you can put uh, the feeling of how it seemed that they handled it. They're just like, oh, well, just keep on with it. Their response was, it could get bad, but we'll just do rolling blackouts. People will just deal with it. Not a good idea. <laughs> um, ERCOT officials said that uh, some generators implemented new winter practices after the freeze a decade ago and new voluntary best practices were adopted. Well, you know as well as I, voluntary doesn't make people do things. Some people will, but not many. Uh, and Woodfin, who again is at ERCOT, said that during subsequent storms, such as in 2018, it appeared that those efforts worked. But he said that this storm was even more extreme than regulators anticipated based on the models developed after the 2011 storm. Uh, he acknowledged that any changes made were not sufficient to keep these generators online during this storm. Now, I, I understand that they use models for prediction and all that, but I am inclined to think that if other parts of the country who deal with this kind of stuff more commonly, uh, more regularly, uh, can be prepared and know how to predict for that. I think it's not very strong of a case for Texas to be like, well, based on what happened in 2011, we did this, and that's that's we didn't know that this was going to happen. I think that says to me that they were not seeking and or listening to uh, advice from those who already knew about this and how to do it because they've done it in their infrastructure. I think it was an example of I'm uh, not listening ostrich with its head in the sand, uh, pride, ego, whatever you want to call it. Um, so after that, right, after these temperatures began to plummet and the snow started covering large parts of the state, uh, ERCOT warned that there was increased demand that might lead to short-term, important to remember that they said that, short-term rolling blackouts. Vague, right? Uh, what does short-term mean? How long can I count on that to be the case? What, is, what does that look like? As we've been talking about in the last couple of episodes about clear communication. <coughs> Pardon me. Short term is about as useful as saying, let's get together soon. Well, what is soon? <laughs> uh, so 
really, I think what this points to is what many, many people have been talking about already, which is climate change. And the climate wake-up call that Texas got, and really should have already paid attention to earlier. So climate scientists in Texas were agreeing with ERCOT leaders that this week's storm was unprecedented in some ways. Some ways. They also say it's evident that Texas is not prepared to handle an increasing number of more volatile and more extreme weather events. I say uh, you should have been prepared, but regardless of that fact, you now know. So what are you going to do with the knowledge, right? It's kind of like when I was young and I used to watch the uh, G.I. Joe cartoons. They had this little phrase they would say, Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Um, another quote that we have here is um, Catherine Hayhoe. I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. H-A-Y-H-O-E. Hayhoe, Hayhoe, I don't know. Kind of like Hayhoe. It sounds like you're yelling out at someone. Hayhoe. <laughs> uh, a leading climate scientist at Texas Tech University highlighted that a 2018 study showed that uh, the warming Arctic is creating more severe polar vortex events. And she was quoted as saying that a wake-up, it's a wake-up call to say, what if these are getting more frequent? And Heo uh, also went on to say, moving forward, that gives us even more reason to be more prepared in the future. And I agree. Uh, there's also, I think, something to be in consideration of here, and that is, who are the people making those decisions? Well, here, it's the people that are voted into office. And so, or appointed by those that are voted into office. And so I think this is a case of holding those people accountable. And if there's one thing I can tell you from having grown up in the U.S. and having been here in the South most of my life, is getting politicians, especially in my experience, those on the Republican side, to take ownership and step up to what decisions they made, even if they were poor ones, uh, has been lacking by many. Not always, but by many. Uh, there are some who have been more noble. I think the, I think of people like, um, I think Mitt Romney is probably a bit more of that. Uh, the late John McCain was probably one of those that was also a bit more that way. But by and large, you find a lot of them uh, shuffling, uh, kind of, trying to dodge the topic or, or responsibility, which is not a great characteristic to have as a leader. <laughs> um, and, and so I want to look at something that was also said by, speaking of the political stuff here, looking at a Democrat uh, in uh, Dallas, in Dallas, Texas, uh, in the county of Dallas. Uh, and that would be Judge Clay Jenkins. Uh, who argued that the Texas Railroad Commission, which regulates the oil and gas industry, uh, was a remit that includes natural gas wells and pipelines, prioritized commercial customers over residents by not requiring equipment to be equipped for cold weather. The RRC, or the Railroad, is that what it is? Yeah, the Railroad Commission, I believe. Uh, did not immediately respond to a request for comment on that. So, of course they're not going to. Why would they? Why would they acknowledge that they messed something up? It's very rare to find people that are in leadership these days who have backbone, who can own it and say, yeah, we screwed up, sorry. 
we're going to try and do this to make it better. Um, integrity is a big thing, friends. <laughs> uh, Texas electricity market is also, as I said before, it's it's deregulated. And so that means that no, there's not any one company that owns the power plants, the, the transmission lines, and the distribution networks. Instead, several different companies generate and transmit the power, which they then sell on, to, um, on the wholesale market to yet even more players, more companies. And then those power companies, in turn, are the ones that sell to you know consumers, to homes and businesses. Uh, now, many policy experts would disagree on whether a different structure would actually have helped Texas navigate these outages. Uh, I don't think deregulation itself is necessarily the thing to blame here. And that's a quote from Josh Rhodes, who is a research associate at the University of Texas at Austin in the uh, Energy Institute. So, you know, again, everyone's taking blame or shame, shifting blame and pointing at things, and no one wants to take ownership. But as long as that happens, nothing changes, right? It, we're we're in a stall, we're in a holding pattern, which is not good. <laughs> uh, we'll pick up with this after the break. All right, friends, we are back. Well, uh, in the next episode that I do, I will be continuing on with this, and I will be looking at. Uh, with a little more detail, some of the issues, including the uh, power grid issue, the gas supply that was before the event. Um, we'll be looking at outages and some of the information on that, as well as the load or historically and the historically high demand events that occurred. Um, and we'll also kind of look at uh, the congestion that occurred, as well as a little bit about uh, one of the largest co-ops in Texas that filed bankruptcy due to what happened with the ERCOT event and the extreme weather event. But that is for next episode. So, friends, uh, I share this just simply because I think it's important for us to remember that uh, we all face challenges in life, and there's a lot of things going on, including with what's going on in regard to... Um, climate change, weather, and how politics and business and all of that can get in the way of the right decision being done at times because of greed or laziness or what have you. Good communication also comes down to having integrity. And so I think it's important to remember that integrity is important in, in situations and leaders. Uh, while you may mess up and you're going to, it's important to be able to own it, uh, even if there are costs involved. It may cost your job, but being able to own it and say, yeah, I messed up, and here's my plan for resolving it may not fix it. But if if you can at least own it, it lets people know that you're trustworthy. You're going to own your mistake, and you're not going to be someone to try and hide away from it or blame everything other than yourself. right? Um, and that's an important thing to remember as far as character. So... That all said, uh, I hope that you have found this interesting. I know it was a lot of information, a lot of talking. Um, I'm trying to keep within more of these 30-minute episodes, as I have heard the community mention that they like. Uh, so I have to be a little quicker on my pace in order to fit in more information without spreading it out over, like, you know, 
five or six episodes to cover a topic. At any rate, all that said, next episode we'll continue with this. Uh, until then, friends, thank you again for tuning in regularly. Thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for helping this community to grow into now 20, 21 countries. Um, thank you for your hellos and your messages you send. And if you like this podcast, please, your financial support makes a huge difference in us helping, helping us to grow and continue to build out. And for me to be able to bring on some staff to hire some people to help me in uh, the production and uh, refinement of this show, as well as graphics and all of that stuff. So, friends, as always... Stay curious, stay kind, be good to yourself, be good to those around you. Remember, we're all imperfect and we all make mistakes. Uh, so have grace and compassion in as much as you can. Uh, and remember, this is a great big universe, a great big world, and there's a lot we don't know. There's more we don't know than there is that we do know. So keep humble and stay curious, friends. And until next time, uh, I send much love and prayer and thoughts towards you all. Talk to you soon, friends.